I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We are simply not well suited for a Major League Baseball team that needs to draw tens of thousands of people each of its 81 games to its ballpark. The team plays 81 games in its ballpark and is in need of drawing tens of thousands on an average basis. Not many communities are, quite frankly. And to force that to happen here when the conditions are not right could be more than damaging, more than damaging to a team, to Major League Baseball, and most importantly, to a community. Then to confront that reality and have a conversation about how to keep baseball here for generations to come. So that clearly brings us to the subject of the day, our idea for Tampa Bay and Montreal, there I said it, to share the Rays. To be clear, this is not a staged exit. That thought has never entered my mind. This is not us taking even one glance towards a relocation to Montreal. I rejected that idea years ago, and I continue to reject it today. This is not a page out of a playbook to gain leverage. We are focused on this plan. We are focused on how the Rays can thrive here in Tampa Bay. This is about Tampa Bay keeping its hometown team and Montreal having one as well. A permanent arrangement, a generational commitment to both communities. Both communities secure that Major League Baseball will be played and thrive there for ours and the future generations. Wow, what a day. What a proposal by Rays owner Stu Sternberg to have his team play half its games in Tampa Bay and the other half in Montreal, Canada in two brand new open-air stadiums. We've got Mark Topkin, the Rays beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, to break all of this down on this very important day on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, is scalloping on your bucket list? Well, if so, you can do just that with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. Scallop season starts July 1st through September 24th in Citrus County. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. Now, you can book your scallop tours now And if you wish to uh, adventure on your own or to have a party larger than six, you'll find a great selection of eight-passenger pontoon boats available for rent during the scallop season. Now, with the rental, you also get a a GPS, a dive flag, anchor, and all the required safety equipment and a detailed map for your convenience. Now, the rental does not include saltwater fishing license, so book online now, and you can get ready for some scalloping fun. Book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com, or you can call 352 571-1888. Five seven one one eight eight eight. All right, Mark Tompkin joins us now. And, and uh, Mark, give me an idea first and foremost of sort of the scene of this news conference. Um, you know, which was held of all places at the Dolly Museum. First of all, was there was there any significance to that? I mean, he is a surrealist, and um, I, I don't know. It, it it certainly didn't feel like a good day for Rays fans, unless perhaps you're a Rays fan living in Montreal. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the, the scene, and it was uh, it was a little odd, and surreal is a good word, and that wasn't by coincidence. I mean, the Rays the Rays kind of got into the the homage that the museum pays to the you know eccentric spirit of Salvador Dali, and 
being a mm-hmm. creative thinker and an open thinker. And, and that was part of the message. They even had Hank Hines, who runs the museum, do the open and basically said, like, he wants to introduce, you know, the new surrealists, uh, mm-hmm. the Rays. And so it wasn't it wasn't even like a subtle connection. It was kind of a blunt, a blunt connection. It was also just a weird setup. There were it wasn't really re- done properly. It was a small space. There were more chairs. They brought over a ton of employees. They brought in their sponsors. There were more chairs for the, those people than there were for working media. There was, you know, they were clapping and cheering at times. So it, it was yeah. kind of done a little weird. It wasn't done maybe as a, a typical professional news conference. But, you know, as far as, as how they introduced it, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you came away from that and didn't and doubted the uh, intent or the thought process, then you must think that, you know, Stu Sternberg specifically is a really good actor because he made a very, you know, impassioned and, and, uh, you know, strongly worded case for, you know, what it wasn't. It wasn't an escape route. It wasn't a negotiating ploy. Uh, he made a pretty good case for what it was, which was in their mind, you know, more or less, or, you know, just about the last chance to keep baseball in Tampa Bay. He didn't, 100% rule out the possibility of, of finding a long-term solution in a single stadium. But, you know, he said that's highly unlikely. It's very problematic. It's not realistic. They don't see it happening in St. Pete and they don't really feel confident it could happen in Tampa. So, you know, I think they did a, a pretty good you know job of selling the case for it. And then obviously the merits of it, and they talked a lot about those and, and why they think it could work. And, you know, the, the disconnect, I think, with the Rays fans that they have, and this is clearly on them to overcome, is at least the Rays fans that we're hearing from, and you always have to keep in mind the ones on social media, the ones emailing you is, is a small minority that makes a larger percentage of the noise than is representative. But I think the people that are speaking out are ones that think there's another option. Like, they hate this plan, or they hate Stu Sternberg because of this plan, so they want another choice. But the way it's being explained, and if you listen, you know, for re- not even that closely, it's pretty clearly explained. There isn't another choice. The team is saying, you know, we can either stay here under this plan, which we think would be really good, and here's why. Please at least listen to us and consider it. Or they're saying we will most likely end up not being able to stay here and moving in 2028 somewhere. So there, there are people that are kind of being that are being mad and upset about it. There's not another option for them to choose, but they seem to think there is another option. Yeah, we'll get into that. And I think there's a certain, you know, progression that, that comes with these sort of things. And, and this is certainly a unique idea that's not been introduced as a permanent solution, at least in major league baseball. Um, of course we remember when the Montreal Expos played some of their games in Puerto Rico and they had one foot out the door at that time. But he said a couple things that that I thought he 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 really wanted to emphasize. One was, and it's been speculated that this is not a staged exit. That they're not even, as he said, taking one glance towards Montreal for relocation. Does that does that seem via? I mean, does that seem honest to you? Does that seem, or or could there be a situation where if they were to do this somehow, I would assume the city of Saint Petersburg, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, would lock them down. Uh, to a new, um, you know, a new contract or a new lease of some kind that would require them to be here, and and they couldn't choose then at some point between the two cities, right? I think that's exactly right, Rick. And I think you know part of the way this would unfold is they have to get permission from the city of St. Petersburg even to have the specific talks, you know, with the Montreal people about how this could work, about how a stadium would be built, the design, things like that. So. I would think as part of that 
permission, there would be a specific memo of understanding that this is only about sharing. This is not about leaving. And the other thing is, and again, everything they say could be a lie. I mean, you know, let's, let's be realistic here. I mean, just because they stood up there and said it in front of a bunch of TV cameras and microphones and said they meant it doesn't mean that it's the truth. And I'm not saying that specific that they're lying, but in any situation, I mean, you know, unless you're in court, you know, and subjecting yourself to, you know, criminal charges, I would think you're, could be lying. So, mm-hmm. but I, the point that they're making is that you know this is what they think will work, and they would sign a long-term commitment in both markets. That this isn't a either you know which one comes up first, which one builds us the better stadium, which one works out better in the first two or three years, then we we move to that one full time. They're saying that this is you know an evolution of how sports are going to be watched and consumed. This is a further you know, evidence of how people, you know, don't go to games as much anymore that watch them on their phone, all these different reasons of why this can make sense. I mean, Steve Sternberg viewed the words amazing today to describe all the benefits to have every time he thinks one more thing through. And it's like, wow, this is even better than we thought. It's even better than we thought. So clearly they feel this is going to work. Now, you know, could it be, and I talked to Scott Boris, you know, the other night, and he's, you know, probably the most, you know, preeminent, player agent there is in baseball and maybe even in in representing all sports but he said he thinks it's just a ploy and it's whoever agrees to build a stadium first and they'll just say oh never mind that other plan let's just move there and go into that stadium but even that you know as much as his skepticism is valued and he certainly has a very good and learned opinion of things they're talking about 30,000 seat open air stadiums and as a permanent solution in either city, that wouldn't really work. You'd need a dome stadium in either city or a retractable roof, ideally, sure. to make sure. it work. So, And I think you'd build bigger, at least in Montreal, if it was full-time. So I, I don't know that that's necessarily true under this plan. Now, again, if Montreal, they go, if they get permission and somehow there's a way they can talk to Montreal about a full-time home, Montreal says, heck with this plan, we'll build you a no cost to you, 50,000, 40,000 seats, retractable roof, state of the art, you know, whatever, maybe they would be tempted. But I, everything that they have said, and, and you know, in, we also had a meeting with them with the Tampa Bay Times editorial board today, so in the, basically another hour session with them back at Tropicana Field this afternoon, and, you know, just as much or even more candid in that session about how this is an intent to make this work. This is not anything else but that. How did we get here from – I just a little over a year ago, I think it was, if if it was even was a year ago, to the to the race saying the solution is a stadium in Tampa. We have an Ebor City site. We think this will work. Um, you know, to them now needing two stadiums and one in another country. I mean, I thought, look, the stadium thing is has been a big focus of this franchise since almost the beginning, the, the day they moved in in '98. But I thought that that was. Stuart Sternberg's sort of solution that th- that this this is what he felt and and then now we're we're a year or so down the road from their their talks with Hillsborough ending and now it's not you know it's not now the Tampa Bay area regardless of where it is can't support more than 40 41 games well i mean i think their attendance would validate the second part of that because they mm-hmm. you know they draw on you know popular opponent nights they draw on cheap ticket nights they draw maybe if there's a great giveaway they draw mm-hmm. when it's tampa bay times podcast night at the trop i think that's always a sellout right when you're there <laughs> when but, is that please let me know <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I i do think that you know 
what one of the things they said, and I think this was in the afternoon session over at the TROP and in John Romano's uh, Wednesday column in the Tampa Bay Times, is that you know going through that experience in Ebor and you know getting the you know nowhere near the level of corporate support they thought it would get, and you know that that effort, you know that effort was months in the works. That wasn't like you know hey they had a one week thing to find out how much money they could get. I mean that Tampa Bay 2020 group was formed months and months ahead of time and. You know, they had almost a full year. I think they were formed in February, so they had you know February to December to try to get their act together. Once the stadium plans were announced in July, in the middle of that window, and, and you know one of the things I think was Matt Silverman said it today was after going through that exploration process in three years in Ebor and understanding the climate for public financing, which obviously isn't very high, yeah. and understanding the business support from the community because they felt like, as we know from how that was dismissed and. You know, they had that mm-hmm. press conference kind of for show at the winter meetings. They were that discouraged and, and disappointed in the level of corporate support. It wasn't even close enough for them to make an offer to try to make the deal work. I think that, you know, they're saying they learned their lesson there, that this is just not going to work here. And, you know, that's how they got there, is that they felt like they spent, you know, three years looking and trying to put that deal together over there, thought they came up with a pretty good deal, and it wasn't even close to happening. I mean, it was so far away from happening that, you know, like I said, they had that ugly dismissal of it. So again, if this is a tactic to get a new stadium built, they're not making, they're not helping themselves by right. how bad it was last time. So that would kind mm-hmm. of go further toward the argument of no, they are serious about this, as it isn't just a ploy. Because kind of dumping on the people you'd have to then turn around and try to cut a deal with probably isn't a good way to give them have them give you a better deal than they did the first time. True. Look, you can't blame. Uh, Stuart Sternberg, on the one hand, the attendance has been at or near the bottom <clears throat> for so long, and it doesn't seem to matter. You know, the one thing they do well is baseball. Um, they put competitive teams on the field almost almost every year, um, and who knows where they end up this season. But, uh, you know, I think what fans want from an owner is just that, you know, put a good product out there every year. Certainly they have limitations in terms of what they can spend and, and, and whatnot. On the other hand, I mean, St. Pete has a little bit of leverage, too. And I know you guys have, have gotten statements and talked to Mayor Rick Kreisman. I mean, they could force this team to stay here until after the 2027 season, uh, as you mentioned, maybe prevent them from talking to Montreal or anybody. Um, and, and yet I think Kreisman backed off just a little bit and sort of suggested, well, you know, if we're not involved, we're happy to talk to you. We're not going to finance this temporary uh, or this ballpark for half a year. Um, but, but we're happy to talk to you about it. So that's a little bit of a softening there, right? I, I agree, and, and I think, you know, the Rays, and, and, and they, you know, again, it's, it seems like a weird day to praise them for being how smart they are because their overall reaction has, has been very negative, but, you know, part of their thought process was this had to come out last week on Thursday because that's when the owners, are, right. the owners voted like late Wednesday to let them do this. So that had to come out and be announced on Thursday or it was going to get out anyway. So... They couldn't control the timing. The owners' meeting ended with a media conference, as it always does on Thursday. It had to come out then. But they kind of knew that the reaction was going to be really bad, so they thought, let this sit for a few days, and then we'll come out and talk about it You know, a few days later. So I do think just in that time, it went from maybe 90% of the stuff we heard was negative to maybe that mm. scroll back a little bit now. And I do mm. think you, know, you saw there was a – was actually very inappropriate that he was given the microphone, but a, a prominent restaurant owner in St. Petersburg somehow got the mic during the media question period today and 
actually shared as a business owner with a lot of his, you know, his, he owns three restaurants all in downtown St. Petersburg, how actually he thought this was a great idea. And he praised yeah. the genius of it and why it would be good for his business. And, you know, we would assume he's not the only one who sees it that way. So I think there was a bit of a softening. And you're right, even in the mayor's words, even though he's far from embracing this or agreeing with it, what he said on Thursday was very dismissive. Whereas yeah. today, in a, in a statement a little more measured, and he basically did say, you know, I don't see us putting a penny in toward this, but, and it would have to be in St. Petersburg. But if they wanted to talk about that, he called it privately funded. I don't know that that's the same thing as the city not putting money in because the county has a ton of money to put in. But so a non city funded stadium that was in the city, okay, he would be willing to talk about that. Doesn't agree, still thinks they're better off building a permanent stadium in the, at the Trop site or somewhere in St. Pete. But you're right, a little bit of a softening there. And I do think that if, if it comes down to negotiating to get permission, to do this one card, the Rays can play and they did not trust me. They did not say this or agree to this or anything, but just watching this unfold and then talking to John Romano about it, who knows a little bit more about the city side and stuff is that the Rays have the rights to half the negotiate, half of the money from the redevelopment, half of the revenue from the redevelopment of the Tropicana field site. And that's kind of found money for that. That was part of the original deal. When the city said, Hey, we want to redevelop the site. We might want to start before your lease ends. We need some of the property. You'd have to move parking lots, things like that. So, the Rays cut a deal where they get half the redevelopment rights. So they could certainly give that away or some of that away in negotiations with the city. So just say hypothetically, they gave the city back all of that money that's millions and millions and millions that they're supposed to get. And they agreed to put the new stadium in St. Petersburg. So the city of St. Pete benefited from that. And they did it without any St. Pete money in there. You know, and they create this, you know, what they claim is going to be this beautiful stadium. And let's just say it's on the Alang site for the sake of this podcast. So it's on the Alang site on the waterfront. It's got spring training back. It's got 35 regular season games. It's got soccer. Maybe it's major league soccer. They up, you know, they up a level in that. You've got some concerts there. You've got some other events. Maybe their vision isn't totally unfounded. Maybe that is a very additive thing for the city. Maybe the mayor goes with it. And then the other point that Sternberg made, which probably didn't make him a popular man in the Kreisman household tonight was he pointed, you know, the mayor's term ends with the 2021 election, a new mayor's put in in 2022. And he said, if I have to, I'll wait for the new mayor. Yeah. No, politics are, are always a part of this. Um, you mentioned uh, Alan, Alan field as a possibility. He says he wants open air stadiums uh, in both venues. Uh, is that smart here? I mean, look, it, it still gets pretty rainy at times and, and pretty hot by the, by the end or middle of June. Well, I, I think, first of all, I mean, I think part of the reason is that's a lot cheaper. It's about $300 million or so cheaper. And Melanie Lenz, the race stadium expert, was in on the afternoon session today. And she said, yeah, yeah about 30, 30%. So if the other stadium was, you know, $900 million or maybe it was even going to be closer to a billion, you could knock mm-hmm. about $300 million or so off of there. So it's about $600 million, which is still, you know, it's hard to fathom that money. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's a lot cheaper. And I think the other thing is they're talking about, and it's weird because it depends when this major league season starts. So these are some things they don't have full control over, but they're saying about 35 games and they probably leave about, you know, early first week of June, something like that for the, when the team would okay. shift north. So All right. you, you do run it. I mean, our, our old friend Bruce Lowe was at the press conference today and he actually for Bruce asked a pretty good question, which was if there's a game rained out in April or May, and it doesn't work hmm. out with the team that you're right out against to make it up. Do you make it out, make it up up there? So 
Sure. You know, there, sure. There, there's a lot of logistical things. And then someone else floated this. I don't remember who. I think maybe it was an immediate person. But, you know, okay, they're saying 35 games. And they only want to make the team move once. We get that. You don't want to move them up there and then move them back down here. But what if, you know, as part of this, you know, the city of St. Pete said, no, we want 41 games. So you built in basically like a six-game road trip where you came and played down here. You you still live in Montreal. You still finish the season in Montreal, but you take mm-hmm. six of those home games and make that a, a quote-unquote road trip where you play down here, like when the Expos played in Mont- in uh, Puerto Rico. They Puerto just Rico. went three mm-hmm. different. Yeah, they didn't split the season. They made three extra road trips where they played between six and ten games each time they went. So there, there's some still some tweaking here, just like with the name, just like with exactly what they would do with playoff games. I mean, there'd be a lot of little things to get tweaked there, but – you know, the open air concept makes sense in terms of cost. Also, the footprint is, um, from what Melanie Lenz said, fairly smaller. They could do it on nine to ten acres, which I think would certainly mm-hmm. fit on the Al Lang site. And it opens some other ideas, too. I mean, is Derby Lane back in play? You know, that mm-hmm. was something where the bigger stadium, there were some flood issues and maybe access and egress issues with the smaller stadium. Maybe that's fine. I think, it, you know, if they were to get permission, which again comes back to the mayor, and they went back and talked to Tampa, you know, does this put downtown Tampa back in play. There was, you know, the site that the Rays had liked where that ConAgra flour mill is that, mm-hmm. you know, they were told wasn't available at the time they were looking. And then, gee, a couple of years later, it was available for Jeff Vinnick to buy as part of Vinnickville. So, you know, that land is still available. And I, I threw this out there when I'm sure it's been mentioned somewhere along the way too, but, you know, was there something about the fairgrounds and the hard rock and partner with them and entertainment complex or something? You've got an amphitheater there already and, you know, there's some way to do something out there. So I think this will open up, uh, in a way, a lot of places because the smaller footprint, it's less money. You know, do they have permission to talk to Hillsborough? Are they limited to Pinellas? Or limited to St. Pete? So there's going to be a number of things they're going to have to kind of sort out here, but it's all going to come back to getting permission from the mayor to be able to proceed with the plan. You know, Sternberg said that uh, he's not interested in selling the team, but he is willing to consider selling some interest to, to some people in Montreal. He's had discussions with, I guess, Stephen Bronfman at some level um, about this sort of thing. Uh, why would Montreal do this in particular? I mean, I thought uh, they, they would have to – I mean, certainly baseball – some baseball is better than no baseball in, in particular, but weren't they about uh, wanting to, to attract an expansion team or, or – wouldn't they want their own ball club as much as Tampa Bay would like to have their own team year round? Well, absolutely. And I, and I agree to me, that's a little bit of, of the mystery of, of why they would want to do it. And, you know, we've talked about it, um, talked about it with Sternberg a little bit today, talked about it with one of the Montreal writers The Montreal paper sent a guy down for today's press conference, like good old day journalism there, right? Jump on a plane and yeah, go man. where the news is. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think you have to kind of look at it two ways. One is, you know, are, if they are truly in line, you know, at the top of the list for an expansion team or for a potential relocation, it does seem odd. Why would they do this? Because if, why would you commit, especially if Sternberg wants to sign a 25-year commitment on this plan to share if you get your own team? So then you think, well, maybe they're only going to have these conversations thinking they'll sway him and find a way to get him to just move the team full-time, even though he said he's already told them no uh, when they've asked about it. Or the other perspective is maybe they're not at the top of the list for expansion. Maybe they've been told that's probably not going to happen. This is some baseball better than no baseball. Same concept is is here. Uh, It's a lot cheaper. Again, the smaller uh, open air stadium, which they'd also build in Montreal because they're not going to be playing there in April or 
well, maybe not in October, certainly not often in October, but, you know, in theory, during the better part of the, the season there. And the other thing is the expansion fee. I mean, if, if the Florida, if the Miami Marlins could sell for $1.2 billion, and that was mm. now, what, two, three years ago, I mean, I don't think a $2 billion expansion fee would be out of the question the way MLB mm. operates and with the greed that they have, and that gets split up among all the owners. So if you're Montreal and you can get, you know, for the for the equity to build a $600 million stadium and some money to put in to get some ownership of the team, you can get back in the game at half a season versus $2 billion, let's say, just for an expansion fee and maybe $1 billion for a bigger dome stadium because you're going to be there year-round. Maybe that's just a better deal for them. I, I don't know. I mean, they, they're they having a press conference tomorrow uh, in Montreal yeah. that I, I think we'll get some answers to those questions out of that. You've mentioned uh, talking to Scott Boros. I and mean, just in general, how do you – you know players, and um, they sacrifice a lot of time away from their family. You do too, obviously, covering the team. The logistics of, of kids in school, uh, living in two different places, I mean, how do you think players will react to this? Well, uh, I mean, first of all, the, the current players. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Because that's who we're going to naturally ask, and realistically none of those guys are going to be here then. I mean, Blake Snell right, could be right. here, and Kevin Cash as the manager is signed you then, but... I think the average player is going to not like the idea, and I think the Rays are going to have to, you know, add it to the list of things they're going to have to kind of sell, you know, these guys on and negotiate and and pay money for it. They'll probably have to be stipends to each player. I mean, like when a team goes on an, on an international trip, MLB usually pays it. I mean, it might be. I think the players got ten grand each when they went to Cuba for two days. I think one of the teams that went to Japan recently, the players got twenty five grand each, maybe for going. So. It may be that MLB has to, or the Rays, I'm sorry, has to kind of copy what MLB did and give the players a stipend. I think part of the way they're going to assuage the the concerns is moving spring training back here to the Tampa Bay area so that their players, in essence, would only move once, just like the players who typically go to their spring training site and move back at the end of March to their major league city. So these guys would come here in February, have spring training here, stay here through that, stay here for the first part of the season. And one of the things Sterberg said today that I, I don't think fans will agree with is he was talking about how cool it would be to have two opening days and have a closing day, you know, in St. <laughs> Pete before they move. And I don't think a lot of fans would come to closing day on June 2nd or whatever it is. I mean, I don't, I don't see that one. I mean, some of the stuff he said made sense. Some of the stuff I thought, well, I'd, I'd be open-minded about that. Not so sure that one, that one makes a lot of sense, but yeah, I mean, a player, you know, again, you, you know, a lot of pro athletes as well. And, you know, a player players are routine oriented. Most of them get places. I mean, a lot of the race players live in those apartments right near the trop. I mean, you could live by the beach, you could live by the golf course. A lot of these guys live right by the apartments by the trop. They just like what's convenient. They're gone so much. Their schedule so hectic. They want easy. They want simple. Well, sure. Having a pick up and move. And if you have kids or you have pets and you have, like you say, pediatricians and veterinarians and, yeah, I remember when Mark Burley got traded to the Blue Jays, he had like pit bulls or something and they weren't allowed in Canada. And he had a big issue with that. He didn't want to give up his pets. And, you know, that was kind of the rule. And, you know, and some players have, you know, 
their, their parents or their wife's parents stay with them during the season, stay with the wife, you know, to help her with the kids, things like that. You know, all sure. those arrangements. I mean, it, we're not talking about going to the moon here, but we're talking about things that are more complicated. Going through customs, being up north versus in the south. You know, maybe sometimes the in-laws, you know, move down with the families during the season. So now you're going to have to go find two houses, you know, things like that. So there are some legitimate concerns. And then, you know, is there a competitive impact even that? And, and you know, here's another question. What free agent is going to willingly sign on knowing yeah. of the inherent hassles with that? Now, with the Ray, I will tell you this. One of the answers the Rays had today was, well, by doing this, we're going to be a better team and we're going to have a higher payroll. We're going to pay our players more, so they're not going to have as much to be concerned about. Again, is that really what happens? Does that work? I mean, money does talk with pro athletes. We do know that. Sure. No, there's always a way to, to incentivize them. Um, are you surprised you know baseball owners? I mean, this is a, a game that is steeped in tradition, right? And And certainly the Rays have – have bucked that on the field quite a bit and been successful doing it. I know it's just exploration, but are you surprised that, that those owners would go this far and say, yeah, let's, let's let you explore a, a two city option. Cause it would potentially, this would not be the only team that would do this if it were successful. Yeah. I mean, you do wonder if it, if the, you know, and in fact, you know, they, this is a team that, you know, was strong in defensive shifts before any other teams were. This is a team that did that thing with the opener. That seems to have worked out pretty well. And Brian all said today, you know, we like to be first. So, yeah, are the Rays the guinea pig in this? Or is this just something MLB is doing to try to help them you yeah. know, resolve their situation? Sure. To, to, to the Miami Marlins at some point say, hey, well, it's worked for the Rays. We want to do it, too. And mm-hmm. I, would, I would caution this, though. MLB owners... While, you know, they are a little steeped in tradition, they also are very steeped in counting their fortunes. And to let one team control two markets seems odd. That seems a little counterintuitive. But, again, if they don't consider Montreal to be that great of a market, if they don't consider that a future home for a team, maybe they're not so pained to let it go. But I I will tell you what does motivate them. The Rays are, the we believe, the second highest revenue-sharing recipient and, and Forty-five million a year. It might even that's from a year or two ago, and I heard that number. So it might even be a little higher now. So you know that would be one thing. The Rays would be off the dole. I think if they were given permission to do this, it would be with the caveat that they give up their revenue sharing money. And you know, other owners, and you know, you don't have to imagine what Hal Steinbrenner must think when he gets the <laughs> bill for the revenue sharing money, knowing some of that's going to the Rays, who then turn around and kick his butt every couple times a year at least. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All that all that makes sense. Mark, on the field, uh, it's not been the best of times for the Rays. Uh, they're in the middle of this road trip, and and as we're doing this podcast, it looks like they're on their way to losing the series opener in Minnesota. Having said all that, I mean, I guess injuries now have become the big story for them. Uh, some bad news going into this series with a couple of their players, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been a rough stretch, Rick, and I think we actually did a, a podcast right at the opening of this stretch where they were going to play – you know, 47 yeah. games in 48 days. It was 13 Crazy. in a row, then a day off, then 21 and 20, then a day off, which was yesterday, and then 13 more in a row here to get to the All-Star break. And, you know, there's no doubt it's beating them up. And, and you know, I, I, Kevin Cash will probably want to argue with me when I see him on Friday and say that it wasn't because of the schedule. It was just what happens. But, it's, you know, you look at the string of injuries and how many guys have been sidelined with different things. I don't think it's coincidence, but the guys you were talking about yesterday, uh, Monday, the news came out w- wasn't necessarily related to the scheduling, but Tyler Glass now, who we had been told was making good progress from the forearm strain that sidelined him in early May. At that point, he was the best pitcher in the major leagues, best record, best ERA. Looked like he was, you know, probably going to start the all-star game and then be a force for the Rays of the year. 
walked off the mound in that May, I think it was May 10th game or May 11th, and hasn't pitched since. Find out yesterday a recurrence of the discomfort in the forearm, an MRI, nothing yet surgical or anything like that, but they're going to shut him down entirely for three more weeks. And then, you know, it's going to restart the buildup process, which is going to take at least three more weeks. So you're looking at least six weeks in a best case scenario. I think that probably puts them at mid to late August. And realistically, you know, you wonder with another setback what this is going to lead to. And, you know, I'm sure if it's bad, they'll have to address it. And if it's, you know, whether it's surgery or it's shut them down for the whole off season. So really what started to be a great season turned uh, very frustrating for him and for the Rays too. I mean, they were only going with three starters. They've lost one of them. And now it looks like for another giant chunk of time. And the other news was Daniel Robertson, who hasn't been playing all that well. Uh, and they actually had sent him down thinking a few days off, maybe would help let him clear his head, get to Durham and, kind of get his confidence back get going and that was short circuit he got called back up to the big leagues played in one game and kind of said oh my knee's been barking a little bit turned out he needed uh, arthroscopic surgery so he's out for four to six weeks at least so you're probably looking at mid to late august for him as well so it's been a rough stretch and except well, robertson wasn't hitting much you know when he was on this team his defensive play was still really good and his versatility was very valuable well, now they've got uh, another guy to worry about. I don't know physically necessarily, but mentally, Blake Snell now has given up about 13 runs in his last four innings over two starts. So something's not not right with him, at least on the mound. No, it's been a rough go, and and you know I I don't know, and I haven't been with the team on this road trip, but just watching him pitch, it doesn't seem like he's pitching with the confidence that he had, and. You know, all yeah. throughout the season at this point, you know, you've heard him make comments here and there about, you know, his own pitch selection, you know, his mm-hmm. sequencing. He's not happy with the mix of pitches. He needs to throw the fastball more. You, you know, whenever a pitcher doesn't throw a fastball more, you tend to wonder, is he healthy? Is there some reason he's not? I mean, his velocity has seemed fine when he's thrown it, but there's something going on in terms of him not having the confidence in the pitchers. I mean, the individual pitches, if you just watch, you know, isolated game, most of those times you'll see those good pitches in the course of a game, but he's not throwing them consistently enough. He's got such good stuff. So you do wonder what's going on there. And look, I, I'll be honest, just, this is just as a person watching the game, but if they end up, you know, saying he needs to go on the injury list for something just to kind of get a chance to regroup, it wouldn't shock me just, just to give him a chance to try to figure out what's going on and get it back together. Well, it's, it's needless to say, it's been a fascinating uh, week or so, or a couple days anyway, and that, that press conference is one that will be remembered no matter what, what this turns into. Mark, I, I, I would say brush up on your French, but I think we're really too soon for that right now. I don't, I don't, think you, I don't know how long this is going to take, but it would seem that we're going to have to sort of see where this goes in terms of what St. Pete's reaction is, what Montreal has to say and what baseball has to say, and maybe cooler heads prevail, and, and who knows? Maybe there is some wisdom to what Stuart Sternberg is trying to sell here. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And, and you know, the other thing is if this plan were to go into effect the way they're talking about it anyway, it wouldn't be till 2024 because they'd want both new stadiums built. I mean, they could actually play at the TROP if the new stadium wasn't built here or even if you know that was still somehow being negotiated. But they seem pretty adamant that the first game in Montreal would be played in a new stadium, not an Olympic stadium. So there are a number of yeah. years to go on this. But you know, on the other hand, this accelerated way sooner than we thought. I mean, yeah. you, I mean a week ago, if I would have been on last Wednesday night, uh, I would have said to you, or last Tuesday night, if you would have said, when do you think things are going to hit the fan with the Rays? I thought, well, probably after next season, you know, going mm-hmm. into the 2021 season, because 
you know, they said they kind of need a five-year window to know where they're going to be in 2028. Maybe they want to accelerate a little bit. Maybe they'll try to buy out. You know, if they know they're moving in 2028, maybe they'll try to buy out 26 or 27, you know, that kind of thing. So definitely did not expect this to be happening this soon during the 2019 season. I didn't expect it to happen during the season at all because the Rays typically don't like to, you know, put, put this uh, on their players and on their staff and on their manager to have to answer during the season, which I do think was kind of a, unfortunate uh, for them byproduct of how this came down but but you're right i don't think this has a resolution my understanding is from major league baseball is that they're going to expect the Rays to report back to them at like the spring owners meeting which is usually in february or march mm-hmm. as to whether they want to proceed with this or not and and that still has to get approved i mean you know there may be some greedy owners who might say hey the Rays just told us how great this is going to work then we're not approving it we're not going to help them become a big money <laughs> team a big market team we like stepping on their backs all the time <laughs> That's right, and they like they like having those markets available for their own relocation potentially, and who knows what what will happen down the road. But you can find out about it. Uh, the best baseball writer in either country, Canada or the United States, is Mark Tompkin, <laughs> and you can read him on TampaBay.com. Thanks so much, Mark. We appreciate it. All right, you got it, man. So you know, with respect to this this whole Sternberg idea of playing in in, in two places. I know that the immediate reaction, uh, and, and predictably so by a lot of fans, will be just you know get them out of here. That will be part of it. The other one, the other one you'll start to hear, and I've been down this road before with ownership groups talking about moving franchises with the Glazers, and at one point Baltimore was an option until our Modell moved the Cleveland Browns there. But what you're going to hear next is, hey, sell the team, right? Get him to sell the team to somebody in Tampa Bay. And the name you'll hear first and foremost will be Jeffrey Vinnick. Um, and then after that, it could be anybody. It could be the, you know, the Outback guys again. It could be uh, Eddie DeBartolo Jr. It could be any number of, of you know, Tampa uh, sports types, former owners, what have you. I'll even throw this in there, Steve. There, there may be people saying, hey, Malcolm, or you know, the, the sons and heirs of Malcolm Glazer, mm-hmm. the Glazer family, you already own a soccer team in Europe. You looked into buying the Los Angeles Dodgers shortly after you bought the Bucks. Why not own both franchises, you know, two of the three franchises in Tampa, and maybe you build some kind of multi-use stadium that can be used for both baseball and football. I'm just – I'm telling you, you're going to hear so many ideas, and all these people will probably be uh, recruited, if you will, by fans and other, other folks to try to find a, a Tampa Bay solution because – um, Sternberg, you know, will will be wearing the black hat now for a while. And in reality, he may be doing all he can to try to keep a portion of the season here in Tampa Bay for race fans, um, while people are insisting that his real intent is just to move all along. Um, but but I think that'll be the next the next cry will be for, in my opinion, if the process follows the way it usually does, will be for somebody in the community, somebody with deep pockets to make Stuart Sternberg an offer he can't say no to and that Major League Baseball would get behind the sale and well there um, there's either. the key there's the key is Major League Baseball has to approve any sale sure they do Stu Sternberg has told Major League Baseball baseball does not work in this market for a full season yes, and they've has. signed off on it because they've allowed him to explore this to explore this two options yeah so even if Jeff Vinnick Outback guys mm-hmm. Glazers DeBartolo sure. whoever says, I want to buy the team and comes up with a competitive offer for a billion-plus dollars, whatever it sure. would take. Right. And says, I'm going to keep it here in Tampa. Baseball may say, nope. 
That's true. They may say, we're not keeping it in Tampa for a full season. We either like this that's, plan or we're moving it. And they may not approve the sale. Even if, you, even, if, even if a local group comes up with the money. They, it's not to say baseball wouldn't approve it and say, fine, stay. But Stu Sternberg cannot just sell it to whoever he wants and sell it to a local guy and say it's done. Baseball has to approve it. Sure they do. Sure they do. And, and they would have to have a desire to keep it here um, because if they, like you said, if they foresee problems regardless of who owns it, and then what is the guarantee that this new owner, whether he's from Tampa Bay or not, would be more successful in trying to get financing for a stadium than, than, than Stuart Sternberg? You know, the theory will be and will be espoused that, well, of course the, the, the politicos and, and the taxpayers would pony up for somebody like Jeffrey Vennick. Why wouldn't they? Look what he's done to the city. He's a successful owner of the Lightning, et cetera. I'm not sure that's true. Or, you know, I'm not, or if the new ownership group comes to the table with a lot more money and invested in And the they stadium. say, yeah, we'll invest, we'll invest this many hundreds of millions. Hey, it, and, you know, and, the stadium you, is, you know. let's say it's the $900 million that it was in Ebor. if you want to build a full season. Sure, and order. they go, we'll put in 450 you know. Or, that or, you know, we're putting in 500 600 million of it, and the rest of it's infrastructure sure. stuff from parking to roads and this, that, and the other. That's part of a stadium development that the county or cities can then pay for. Sure, but... Baseball still has to approve it, and there's no guarantee they would at this point because Stu Sternberg has said baseball does not work here. Yeah, and don't forget, he owns this, this franchise, so he's under no pressure uh, except his own, his own internal pressure to sell anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes being in baseball, and, and he doesn't show any desire at all to, uh, to change that. He's the owner of the Rays wherever they play or whatever they call themselves. And so I think that's his intent is to continue uh, being a, an owner uh, in Major League Baseball. So it's, uh, this is just the very beginning, folks, of what's going to be a, a long and painful ride <laughs> to a conclusion of some kind. Um, but as a, as a guy who grew up here, Steve, who, who uh, you know, as a kid, you know, saw spring training every year, all these teams would come down. They'd tease us in the spring. They'd get all warmed up and loose down here, and then they would bolt north, and you'd be left without a franchise, and you have to follow, you know, teams on the radio, whether it was the Reds, you know, on on WFLA or the the Braves were the closest Major League Baseball team at that time, uh, and and seeing you know all the painstaking, um, you know, false starts and, and and efforts to try to to steal a team like Montreal is trying to do now. Um, with the Chicago White Sox and, you know, the Minnesota Twins and the San Francisco Giants and the Seattle Mariners and all that. Uh, and then to finally get an expansion team, you know, awarded to them and, and play the first game in 1998. And here we are 21 years later, which isn't a long time in, in the life of a franchise, and we're already talking about that whole process being for naught and, and the potential now of the Rays uh, maybe not playing in Tampa. And if they do – According to Sternberg, maybe only playing 35 or 40 games. So it's it's really a it's not a good day if uh, if you're a baseball fan in this area uh, or if you're a fan of the Rays in general, unless you live in Montreal, because it was surreal and uh, it was a good place to to put it symbolically to have that press conference anyway at uh, the Dolly Museum. But um, I I don't know how you come away from this thinking, yeah, this could work. This is a good idea. Um, The other thing, too, is if if games leave here at, say, early June, June 2nd, 5th, 8th, whatever. I mean, right now, the the, the proposal is 35 games in in Tampa Bay. The Rays have already played 38 home games. So Mm -hmm. they would have left that before their last three home games before this road trip. So 
You're talking, you know, maybe it was June 10th or 12th, whatever, 8th, whatever. So from that date until, if you want to say preseason, but August, but really September, you'll have no professional games being played mm-hmm. in this market at the highest level. The Rowdies are not MLS right. soccer. They're a level below, and, and they're great games to go to. But sure. of the, the, you know, the major, the, the highest level of every sport, you'll have no games being played in this market for essentially three months. It'll be tough. It'll be long, hot summers. And, um, you know, I mean, look, there was a time when, you know, 40-something years ago, the Bucks weren't here and the mm-hmm. Rowdies were in the NASL and, and they were the only game in town and they played, you know, at the old Sombrero and July 4th was the biggest day in sports down here. You know, if the New York Cosmos came to play or something, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and it was sold out. But um, we've come a long way since then as a sports town and uh, we're fortunate to have the Lightning, and yes, the Bucks. Believe it or not, NFL um, is still a, a a very marketable and profitable uh, endeavor here. And and you know, we'll see. I mean, even even like I said, even the Glazers will probably be somebody that becomes popular now. But um, but yeah, it it's it it stinks for this area. If you if you love sports, if you're in, involved in sports at any level, certainly you know I I cover them as a writer and and grew up my whole life. And baseball was really my favorite sport and something I played and, and my dad coached and all those things. But, um, it's, it's not, it, there was nothing, there's nothing felt right, uh, to me listening to Stuart Sternberg announced on behalf of major league baseball and to major league baseball that a team will not work here in Tampa Bay under any circumstances, unless it were for half a season. And that is friends is not what you wanted to hear. And it's a yet, gut punch. It's a gut punch, and and yet there's not a lot of evidence that he's wrong, quite frankly. There's just not. You'd like to believe that what they were saying for years and years, that if they could just get a new stadium, that the ballpark um, relocated perhaps in Hillsborough County um, or in a better, you know, a, a more picturesque setting perhaps, I don't know, out Lang Field, whatever, that that would be the difference maker. And, and everybody sort of, you know, went down that road and, and believed what he was selling that that that's what they really needed and and yeah more corporate support would have to be a part of that and all of it um but they weren't able to get it done in three years in hillsborough and the appetite is not there um you know in from the general taxpayer standpoint there's a lot of needs in this community and and it just you know it's a tough sell and they've been at it for a long time and it's it, there is no evidence that that those things are going to change to the degree that they can play a whole year or, you know, years and years and guaranteed generations of baseball in Tampa. So, um, yeah, it's a gut punch. I think that's the, the perfect way to, to say it and, and perhaps the perfect way to leave it. But we'll we'll be certainly talking about this uh, for, for many, many weeks and, and months and, and it would appear years to come. Um, I mentioned it was another tough night for Blake Snell. Uh, you wonder if he's in the next pitcher on the injured list. He got roughed up again. 13 uh, runs and three and two-thirds innings in his last two starts. Now, tonight he gave up a lot of hits. He didn't – last game he gave up four walks in the third of an inning. Yeah. Now, you know, tonight he, he, he was giving up hits. He only gave up one walk, I think, in three and a third. Uh, but still, he's not right. I mean, so, and granted, that's a really good Twins lineup too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's, that's, this is not the Blake Snell we know. This is not – you know, I, I'm not sure what what's going on now. I mean, I know he was focusing on placing his fastball a lot better tonight, but um, yeah, something seems off. Yeah, well, Eddie Rosario was not off. He had, he went four for five against a guy with a double and three singles and a run and a couple of RBIs. I mean, the Twins are 
are a good hitting ball club, the best hitting club in in, uh, in the American League at least. And mm-hmm. so they got a hold of Blake Snell. But today it will be Charlie Morton on the mound, and he's going to be going against former Ray Jake Odorizzi. So those two guys are strike throwers. That game may only last about two hours or so if they're able to be uh, successful in doing what they do. Uh, the Lightning schedule has come out, and the season opens October 3rd against the Stinking mm-hmm. Panthers. And The big uh, news is all home games will be 7 o'clock starts now, not, no longer the yeah, 7.30 about, weekday starts. Very interesting. I mean, I, I think it's kind of good for kids perhaps. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know how that's going to conflict with the daily commute and whether that makes it tougher to get to uh, Emily Arena at that hour or not, but – um, I do like the fact that you know by nine thirty those games mm-hmm. will typically be over. So yeah. well for those that, that work downtown and you know you don't have to yeah. you got you know the games to start a half an hour earlier there. you don't have yeah. to uh, wait as long for the games to start. So um, that's true. Yeah, all yeah. games now will be seven o'clock. I think there's one or two uh, NBC games that may be eight o'clock starts. I think the, if I remember the Penguins, there's a game here against the Penguins that's an eight o'clock start, but uh, for the most part, all seven o'clocks. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. Uh, on Friday, by the way, uh, we're going oh, – well, first of all, let me back up. Tomorrow we're going to have the, the ever-talented uh, Chris Torello, of course, of Spectrum Sports 360, get his thoughts on this. I know he did an interview with um, USF assistant coach Sean King, of course, the former um, Bucks quarterback and, and, um, and all of that. So we'll be able to talk to him about that. Friday we're going to have a mailbag. We haven't done that. We've been on vacation for a while. So you can start getting your questions in now. You can do that by sending them uh, to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. I'm sure we got lots to talk about with the Rays, the Bucks, and everybody. Uh, and remember, uh, scallop season now uh, starts July 1st, and it runs through September 24th in Citrus County uh, up there in Crystal River. So if you'd like to do that, folks, uh, contact our friends at Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees. They're going to hook you up. they got pontoon boats. they got everything up there, everything you need that's required uh, to go on those boats. You'll get that as well. It does not include a saltwater fishing license, so you'll have to go ahead and do that. But book online now and get ready for some scalloping fun. You can book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or you can call 352-571-1888. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 